0: Welcome to the Prisoner Introcast. This week we will be discussing It's Your Funeral. But first, my name is Shane, and joined as always is by my good friend John. Hello. And my good friend Aaron.
1: I'm telling you, we should have the boys are back in town playing for this.
0: <laughs> I think we should, I think we should, you're, you're right. Uh, we don't have a guest this time around, it's just a three of us, so you're going to have to put up with us for the next hour or so. Hopefully it's an hour. Not for the finger cross. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No crazy conspiracy theories this week. Yet. Well, that's, yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we will start, as always, with the TV world synopsis. TV Wars. T- and the TV World synopsis reads... TV Wars. TV Wars? <laughs> Wars? Sorry. World.
2: What? Who's doing what? I don't know. <laughs> no,
0: do I. I don't know. Anyway. Who's on first? Cry Wolf often enough and no one will believe you when the cry is genuine. One man and one man only amongst the villagers is there to prove some, a stumbling block in the way of a planned murder. The prisoner, some somehow he's got to, to be discredited so no one, not even the intended victim, will believe his warnings. So, we start uh, with a lovely young woman going into... Uh, number six's uh, house.
1: Because every door is always unlocked
0: for them. Yes.
2: Uh, considering his general distaste for everybody, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, to start with, she was played by a wonderful lady called Anna Ardre, who absolutely hated her time working on the show. Wow.
2: <laughs> oh, I can't imagine why.
0: so much so she tried to actually get out of recording wow halfway through
2: really yeah
0: impressive she thought um she thought Petra Magoon was a um a bully why would anybody
1: say that
0: Mm -hmm. and completely unprofessional wow
1: I I don't know what to say about that actually (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, Patrick McGowan actually had a really bad argument on set with the director.
1: So, like, like James Clarkson.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: He was their version of Christian Bale.
0: <laughs> Why are you moving the lights? Yeah, uh, to quote Anna Audrey in a uh, interview, Patrick was absolutely. Patrick just absolutely devastated this man. Patrick, Patrick, cut him to pieces in the middle of the studio in front of everybody. Does the interview say why? To quote an Audrey in a different interview. Actually, I'm not going to say that. Actually, I'm going to. Actually, Mark Eaton, actually, uh, remembered that Patrick McGoon was going through a very bad time, teetering on the verge of a nervous breakdown because of the pressure on him. I mm. um, seem to remember he had a big row with the director, fired him, and directed the ep- rest of the episode himself. It did not make for a happy time.
1: Jeez. Wait, oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. So he fired him, and yeah. he directed the rest of this this episode himself. Yeah. That explains so much.
2: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Are You trying to say the tone shift in the middle of the episode was not? Y- perfect? Y- the fact,
1: the fact that we randomly showed up another, another number two, and the fact that it went completely left field yeah. halfway through. Yeah, totally.
2: I still don't get what you're trying to say, Aaron. I mean, is this not planned? I mean, it's the village. <laughs> no, we're
1: not. We're not going down this street again. We're not going down the. Is this planned or was it?
0: Was it all made up on the spot? Going uh, back. To Anna Audrey, she recalls, um, "I wasn't terribly happy working with him, to be honest. I did try to get out during the program. He was very rude to me. Hmm. Uh, the prisoner I hated with a passion. I disliked Maguire so much I, couldn't, I can't tell you. He was a madman, an absolute madman. I tried, wow. him. I tried Mad to talk to him at one, one point, and all he would do was put you down. Yeah, I feel like I had a boss I worked for that way one time.
1: I think we've all had a boss like that." <laughs> Yeah, or at least
2: a
0: coworker. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to the episode. Um, back to the episode. Yeah. Uh, she decides to have a, uh, have tries to. Uh, I'm not one of them. Yeah.
2: I'm not one of them, even though I'm surreptitiously breaking into your house.
1: Yeah. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs>
0: <coughs> yeah. Did and she we cut. So, yeah, And we cut to uh, uh, the control room and we see the supervisor and, num- and the new number two. Again, uh, number two. Mm, with his comically large glasses. Mm. What do you think of this new uh, number two?
1: Chirp, 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 chirp. <laughs> Anyone? Um,
2: actually, I'm not sure what to make of him. I mean, oh. he, he kind of seemed like one of those... Uh, I don't, sorry, I got a cat being noisy. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, tell me about it. No, um, he seemed like one of those... Um, which episode was it where we had the one guy who was really standoffish and, like, barely did anything with the prisoner?
0: Uh, uh, checkmate? mean the guy?
2: <laughs> yeah, that guy.
0: Are we talking about the number two in Checkmate? Um, or maybe not?
2: Maybe... Anyway, um, he seems like a very kind of standoffish kind of guy. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Well, this number two was actually played by Darren Nesbitt. And another case of not people wondering about this episode uh, Darren Nesbitt went on set had had no clue about the prisoner, uh, absolutely absolutely no clue at all. So he decided. So uh, the direct, the original director, uh, banged on his, um, banged on his door and said, "Darren, I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about this um, show either, but I will watch the first episode, and I'll get back to you." <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, that's always good.
0: Mm, you know, maybe. An hour or so later, he banged on Darren's door again and said, I still haven't got a bloody clue what's going on. Uh, that sounds about right. And, and so Darren wound up, wind up on set and played the n- number two, all confused and baboozled, and baboozled because Darren had no clue what was going on himself. And Patrick went over to uh, Darren and said, Why are you playing this for comedy? It's not a comedy! <laughs> wow. I was like, he was like, Patrick, I haven't got up with clear what's going on.
2: They didn't give him, like, uh synopsis or anything, or. Not Apparently it, no. not. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Just throwing your actors in blind.
1: Yeah. Because that always works.
2: Yeah. Direction. Who needs that? This is the prisoner. We do what we
0: want. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to, to her uh, as the Watchmaker's daughter. I know she has a number, but it's just easier. She was like number 30. Mm. I don't know.
2: It, okay, maybe it's just like on the version I'm watching, but is anybody else having problems seeing the numbers on those badges? Because the numbers are really small and in red, and usually they're not in focus, and I'm having a real problem reading like the individual people's
1: uh, numbers sometimes. Uh. I mean, I got it cranked up all the way in in video quality, so I don't have a problem. But okay, they it, could, me. it could it could it could be a thing, and I could just have a really ridiculously souped-up computer. Um, <laughs> Damn you, Aaron! No, nah, but you're right. They, they're kind of they don't typically focus on the number too much, particularly when they're wearing like the black. Yeah, uh, actually. She was number 50. I just got it paused at a moment, and I'm looking at it. It's 50. Okay. But no, yeah, they they, they really don't focus on the number, and unless it's, like, on the white background, and they specifically state what number, you kind of don't pay attention. I, I definitely see that. Uh, Red on black is not easy to read.
0: No, it's not. No, it's not. But she, um... But she faints. Due to the, uh... Do with the it. drugs, man? Yeah, when you, when you want the drug that they, they've just developed,
2: which in no way gets referenced at any point at any other part in the episode.
0: No. Nope.
2: It's almost like they somehow it's a triggered
1: by the nervous system. How? <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
2: Uh, science.
1: Yes, <laughs> because reasons. Yeah,
2: and science,
1: <laughs> and always science. Yeah,
0: OCD. Um. So uh, number two brings him, her back around, and we 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 have a chat. There's a conspiracy in the village.
2: A conspiracy
1: in the village. A conspiracy in the village. Next. It seems like everyday life. Yes. Well, the village is a conspiracy.
0: Yeah. Um. So, but number six throws so the washmaker's daughter out of the is it our house, and we don't. Number two doesn't think the plan's working. Well, he gets a phone call from number one, and number one tells him to hurry up. And then we see the prognosis report. of the Which contingent. had to be the most boring job in the world.
2: Hmm. What about the guys on the little spinny thing in the middle of the control room? I mean... Oh, that's
1: just punishment. We've determined that's just punishment. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's your turn to be on the spinny thing, Johnny. But do it. Oh, oh
0: man. man. No, not again. No. <laughs> No, usually. I never a had tps report. And then uh, prognosis report. Yeah. Thank you. Um then he he uh I mean no sort of thing, saying number two will never buy never buy sweets. And of course the prognosis report is right because he buys sweets for that, that the old lady.
2: Yeah, I like how they can just uh, put in some random facts in the computer and get a you know what is it, a oscilloscope readout that somehow you can translate. <laughs>
0: And uh, then we see. Um, I don't know how to best describe this. I don't even know what this was.
1: We're, I assume we're talking about what was going on at, at, at the rec center. Yes. I, 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 <laughs> I what, sat there. What the there hell and confused was that? <laughs>
2: this scene just dragged on.
1: <laughs> I was like. This is something I would do once for fun, but I don't think I would do it over and over again every day.
0: I mean... Yeah. The koshu. What? Not... Spell K-O-S-H-O. So... So, kosh- wait, what, what did we say this was? Koshu. As, as I said, um... Uh, spelled K-O-S-H-O. Yeah, but I mean,
2: what exactly was it supposed to be?
0: K-O-S-H-O? Yeah. Kusho. Uh
2: Is this an actual thing, or are they just make it up for the show?
0: Uh, just make it up for the show. Yes, according
1: to the Wikipedia, a fictional martial art portrayed in the cult TV series, The Prisoner. However, there is an actual martial art style that starts with Kasho, but it's Kasho shori root Kempo, but that's um, system of Kenpo, so... Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. uh, I, I... This scene, I was just... Um...
0: What? <laughs> uh, Frank Mayher, uh says... Pack thought the name up and told me it was something to do with trampolines. I can't say who thought of what, but over a period of two or three weeks, David Tomlin, David Tomlin Patrick and myself came up with this crazy thing. So... So, like this whole episode, we made it all up on the spot.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. um, but yeah, it was a, it was absolutely insane, there, wasn't it? Really, and again, and what, it what...
1: just dragged on and on, mm-hmm. with with the occasional interruption with the man in the pink suit.
0: Yeah, and they are wearing a um,
1: fashionable pink suit,
0: and they are wearing uh, according, well, according to the information I've got. American football helmets. Uh yeah, that those
1: would be early. early. They've been they've been altered somewhat cuz I don't think I don't think they would have been hard hardened at this point, but I
0: could no. be very wrong. I thought yeah, they, they were still,
2: still yeah, still leather like a, at this point. Yeah. They look like leather uh football helmets.
0: Well, uh while he's playing, while number 6 is playing Koshu, uh we have um number 100 uh, replacing Number Six's watch, which forces Number Six to go to the watchmaker.
2: Who I imagine we will never see again.
0: And Number, and, uh, number Six discovers the bomb.
2: No, he, uh, he found the remote.
0: Yeah, wow. Bomb, remote.
2: Yeah, the, the weird magnetic remote yeah. thing. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're working on a top-secret plan to, you know, murder the leader of the village, you want to keep that out in the open.
0: Yeah. And then he's he uh, bumps into the watchmaker's daughter and says what are you doing here and watch is stopped and they tries to uh try the watchmaker's da- daughter number 6 tries to get his uh, grand uh, grandfather to uh, stop making the bomb and he flat out refuses and we cut to number we cut to uh number Two's place and he rec- he's recording the conversation Or the, the upcoming conversation I should say well, quite a few different angles from quite a few different cameras. And tell me want to jump in? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's not much to jump in. It's kind of uh, – this episode just kind of dragging. I was like, uh. uh and uh, number six and number two have a conversation.
2: Because he immediately goes to number two.
0: Yeah. Because he
1: actually seems to care about other people suddenly. Yeah. So, Yeah. You know, they they mentioned
2: it later in the episode, but there's the idea that, you know, if if something happens to number two, the whole village is going to get punished. Although, it does beg the question, why would Six care? I mean, he hasn't shown any interest for
1: really anybody in the village so far. Yeah, it seemed kind of a weird, weird jump of character, given everything else about number six. I mean, is there something we're
0: missing? Uh, Quite possibly, uh, so what do you think, Shane? Well, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys to be totally honest with you. Uh, there is no, sp- I I'm not keeping anything back because there's no spoilers to be said. <laughs>
1: this, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead ahead and say it say it now, for, for for the whole thing. This entire episode just feels like a weird filler episode. Yeah, like just. The entire thing reeked of filler.
0: Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Then, uh, after uh, number two, so number six goes to see number two. Number six meets up the Watchmaker's daughter and then he goes back to the Green Dome and he sees the, reti- well, I w- I'm going to refer to him as retiring number two. That, that there was no mention of
1: previously at all that I remember Nope, yeah. that wasn't yeah, now, prior I, to any of that.
2: Now, I first thought that they were going to do, like, an uh, episode one, you know, switch out on number two, just to keep mm-hmm. six occupied. But, no, because apparently this number two had been on vacation, and the other number yep. two was just filling in for him. Yeah. And,
1: and then suddenly, no, nah, man, we're replacing them the whole time. What? Oh!
2: So he's... <laughs> So, so who is number two in this situation?
1: They're we've both like, number two.
2: We've got yeah. like seven number twos in this episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know, including us, including our third woman, number two. Hmm. But yeah. Fourth. Um. Very, very confusing. You're number two, and you're number two. Everybody's <laughs> number
1: two. <laughs> two. <sighs> Thank you, Oprah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, we got an Oprah references. We did,
0: we did, we did, we did. Mark that off your checkbox today. Yep. And then uh, this is a struggle for me actually, to be honest with you, myself. <laughs> <or does> it... <laughs> Should we just skip to criticism and review now? No, we have to go through the format.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do, we do, we do, we do, we do. Yeah. We
0: have to follow the have to follow the formula. Yeah, follow the format. Uh, um we have a uh, number six. Is convinces the retiring number two what is going on. Number the retiring number two looks devastated. Looks so confused, like the rest of us. Yes, exactly. Oh, I,
1: we 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 seem. Did we? I think we skipped a little bit about them finding the bomb and the replica necklace thing. Oh uh, we did, we did, we did.
2: I thought that was later.
1: No, that was that was like right before he meets with the the outgoing number two.
2: uh okay. Who's okay. like,
1: no, you're lying, and then they pull up the video feed, and it's like, yeah, yeah.
2: just him edited in with uh, other people, all the other number yeah. twos, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and then uh, uh, we cut to the uh, we cut to the lovely ceremony. Well, then, well, before the
1: ceremony, the outgoing number two wants to go look at the records, yeah. and. He, the, the guy that comes in tells him that doesn't exist and then he questions him and then we jump to the ceremony.
0: Yeah. With the watchmaker's daughter no, so not, with the watchmaker's daughter on the ground and with the watchmaker's granddaughter on the ground and the watchmaker's uh, being in the tower and uh, they uh, try and stop him quite successfully as a matter of fact. But we do have um, the microphone and the glasses and then the watch.
1: Essential you know? spy spy series technology. Yeah, <laughs>
2: because reasons. Yeah, uh, you know, just just looking at it since we're at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, this seems an awfully convoluted plot. Yeah, to just kill one guy. Yeah, uh, especially if he's an outgoing number two. I mean, mm-hmm. it, why? Why not just you know wait till he's off the out of the village
0: and then just cap him? I don't know. I have no idea. But we do have our. We do have our um, fight scene. Prerequisite fight scene. Yes. Yeah. Which I, which I do want to have a uh, chat about.
2: Patrick McGowan smacking people.
0: Uh, yeah, but it wasn't quite like that, actually, as a matter of fact. Because uh, Mark Eaton, um, who played number 100, recalls that the fight scene became a little too real. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so did McGowan just not like him?
0: No, but Mac <laughs> M- um, McGowan went over the edge, putting all his, putting out all his frustration. Yeah, because um, obviously when you when you're choking somebody in film and TV, you know there's a way of doing it without hu- actually hurting anyone. Oh yeah. Um, Patrick McGowan obviously never got that particular memo. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. And Mark Eaton remembers that you know he was he was basically he was on top of me. And I could see the rage in his eyes. Oh no! And as oh oh my God, he's going to kill me! Thankfully, he was he went um, to the gym quite a bit because he, like, he was doing most of his own stunts back in those days. And he used all of his strength to push, push Petra McGuin off him. Yeah. Wow! Oh, just in in
1: filming. And then the lackluster achievement sign. We forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, now, when they, when they were filming this episode, was this one of the the later episodes filmed?
0: Uh, this was filmed. Let me just double check this. This was filmed. I do have I do have the list. So bear with me one moment. this was uh, eighth. This was eighth filmed. Yeah.
2: Mm, so this would be right in the middle of the production run. So yeah. Yeah, I could see how stress would be getting to people, but mm. still, actually choking a guy, <laughs> not cool.
0: <laughs> no.
2: Not cool, bro. Not cool. No,
0: no, no. There, there will be more stories of that upcoming. Oh, <laughs> lovely. So was oh, McGuin
2: just incredibly difficult to work with yeah. for this
0: episode, or in general?
2: <laughs> I mean, in general. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, there's, I'm not going to spoil what uh, the episode obviously, and I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil what happens. But um, in a later episode, he called his co- co-star to have a nervous breakdown. What?
2: That's crazy pants.
0: Yeah. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell you why or how or what happened because we'll, I'll be discussing that in a later episode. But yeah.
2: Oh, you're such a tease, Jane.
0: Yeah, I know. Spoilers. Huh.
2: I have discovered an interesting bit of trivia. Go ahead. The actress Wanda Vellum, who was the computer operator in this episode. Yeah. She is. Pe- is a. Uh, yeah. The the one with the, the fancy hat.
0: With the uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who was reading the. uh... The prognosis the yeah.
1: stuff. Yeah.
2: She is Benedict Cumberbatch's mom.
0: Really? Yes. I, I did not know that either. How interesting.
2: Yeah, and uh, do, 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 do. she was also in this. Uh, a lot of B movies, a lot of TV. Anyway, so you know, we can we can put the little uh, you know Benedict Cumberbatch ta- tag in this episode. In <laughs> yes. of episodes, we we mentioned you know Sherlock
0: at one point. There you yep. go. We did, we did, we did, we did, we did. <laughs> um, so we have just jumped to right at the end where um, I had the ceremony. The seal gets put on to the, the young number two. Who
2: doesn't want to get blown up.
0: Yeah, does he, yeah. he? tries to take it off. And and, number, and uh, number six shakes him by the hand and, you know, and oh. um, makes sure he doesn't take the thing off. And the return. number two takes it off in the helicopter.
2: And then the, the helicopter end. turns around and then turns around again. Yeah. Because they're certainly not reusing stock footage.
1: Yes. No, not at all. They, they would never do. They would never do that. Never.
2: It's not like they have a limited budget in this show or anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. If I can find some. Yeah, They used so much stock footage in this. It's quite unbelievable.
2: They also did a lot of set shooting in this.
0: Yeah, because um... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, because they did. They did. A sm- small bit of brand new shoot, second unit shooting in March nineteen sixty seven, but with Frank Maher, which is um, Patrick McGowan's stunt double. So all the
2: back shots are for...
0: So if you yeah, so if you see anything brand new on location in this episode, it's not Patrick McGowan, it's Frank Maher
2: mm, Makes sense.
0: Uh, anything else you want to say
2: about the episode? Yep. <sighs> this is awfully convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode is just. Uh... It feels like you have a group
1: project of five people working on it, and they all throw their ideas, and they all go with everybody's idea.
0: Yeah. Mm. This this episode is what I I can describe to you as a marmite episode. You either love it or you hate it. Mm. Yeah. But if you've got nothing more to add, we'll run this quick ad. We're
2: running an ad.
1: Ad space.
0: Shane, I've done it. Again, Paul? Then open the window. There's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarf so we can watch it for the first time. Again. Really? Is it safe? Completely. Although you might also forget how to read, write and do math. I'm a politician. I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who are barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That would be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time.
1: Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband Heath.
0: What are you doing at my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple
1: wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe we're recording a podcast about it. Hmm, that's really convenient. And you can listen in on
0: the fun with the Red Dwarf Introcast.
1: Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter.
0: And we are back. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, it's indeed. In, in sorry about our incredibly short synopsis, but, you know, what can we really say about this episode? Anyway, maybe, see, what you heard what we had to say, even though it was quite short. Let's hear what you had to say. Let's go to emails. Emails. Check in the email. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, we, I believe uh, you have an email from Harold.
2: I do have an email from Harold. Harold writes, This was a mixed bag for me. There are some things I really like, such as the blonde number two and his intrigues, Six's morning routine, he sure gets a lot of exercise, and the concept of jammers. But I did not understand blonde number two's plan. I eagerly await your podcast, because I'm sure someone has a creative theory to explain why he went to sub-legs to get number six actively involved in thwarting his own plot because he sure didn't seem too happy when six succeeded. I rate this 5 out of 10 blowing helicopter.
1: Oh uh, dear. <laughs> Alright, prepare for the long-winded Sergeant Drano. Uh, uh, Sergeant Drano from Station 7 with feedback for It's Your Funeral. Somebody's probably mad. I don't think It's Your Funeral was set in the episode, nor was there a funeral. No, there wasn't, but it was kind of implied, so it I can, I can can I can live with it. Time to revisit Shane's black badge theory. Jammer Jermaine Monique has a black badge, and it's pretty clear she's not a village agent. Kind of a weird choice in sneaking into somebody's house and up in their bed just to wake them up up like that. Who does that? Well, I can probably say a lot of people Sergeant Trino. but... (laughs) I enjoyed the conversation between number two and the supervisor about leaving the door unlocked for for Monique. I found this number two kind of annoying. His gigantic glasses with a built-in radio on them were kind of silly, and you can make a drinking game out of how many... How many times he takes them off and puts them on during a scene? Oh, that might make this episode more enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the active prognosis report on number six. Interesting and amusing. I think some of the footage was from many happy returns, and I think the footage of him working out in the parallel bars from another episode you haven't done yet, that possibly should be, replaced, should be placed before this one. The prognosis report says that number six goes skiing once a day. Odd. For some reason, I can't possibly imagine... Patrick McGowan slash number six on water skis. What do the noobs think of Kosha? And how did they like that the Kosha game seemed to go on for three hours? I think we've already voiced our opinion on that. (laughs) The guy number six was playing chess with reminded me of the chess master from Checkmake. I don't think it was the same guy. I chuckled at the other eccentric resident. Interesting plot about how number six, quote, never eats candy, end quote, which goes along with his file saying he gave up sugar. I still wonder if this might indicate that Number 6 is diabetic. The plan to kill the outgoing Number 2 seems contrived and nonsensical to me. I don't feel like the village organization would bother engineering a fake assassination. If they wanted to eliminate Number 2, I think they just would. I don't really see a point of getting Number 6 involved in the plan for credibility either. It also doesn't seem logical that the village would just ignore rumors of a plot simply because it came from a known jammer. If that's true, number six would just think up fake plots until he gets on the jammer list, and finally do a real one the village would ignore. Silly. The great seal of office that we've never seen before or since is a bit hilarious. Number six and Monique find the plastic explosive that night, why don't they just steal it and the bomb mechanism? Surely it would be very difficult for the watchmaker to procure more, particularly on a deadline. The guy in the top hat speaking at the ceremony sounds like the generic number two voice we hear at the start of some episodes, including this one. Is that the real voice Artist, or was he dubbed? I laughed at the unveiling of the new monument. It was just a big square block with the word achievement on it. I think we all did at that point. All in all, pretty weak episode, in my opinion. One of the weakest of the series. I'll give it four fake jammer plots out of ten.
0: Namaste, Sergeant Drano. And yes, Sergeant Drano, you are right. It's Robert Retty here with the prognosis. X-slash camera voice. Oh, hey.
2: There
1: you go. all right with the world again.
0: Yeah. And I do have one off, uh, bit of uh, one more bit of feedback. Uh, hopefully, uh, he doesn't mind me saying to this. But uh, uh, Anthony Rooney uh, wrote, "It's an episode that splits opinion. I'm one of the few people who actually likes this episode, even if it's a bit nuts, and it still has things going for it." Anna Adry, for one, sigh. Is that it? That's it. Oh, yep.
2: Well, okay then.
0: That's it. Uh, Thanks, for everyone, for that feedback. As per always, uh, you can email us at, as I forget the email address. (laughs) You'd think we'd have this memorized now. You'd think it would be on my notes at some point.
2: Theprisonerintrocast at gmail.com.
0: Thank Thank you, John. (laughs)
1: Thank
0: you. You can email us at theprisonerintrocast at gmail.com. That's how you edit this into into the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, You can also find this on Facebook. Just search for In The Village, a Prisoner Intro cast. There's there's also a spoilers group so we can keep those dirty rotten spoilers away from John and Alan. What? Why would you do that? I'm feeling left out. And you can also find this on Twitter at Prisoner Intro. Uh, But ratings... Uh, we haven't got a guest, so I'm going to go in the order these you guys are on my Skype screen. So, Aaron, you can go first.
1: Hey, as I, as I make another edit to something else on the internet. Uh, I think we've heard my ranting and raving enough about how this episode makes absolutely no no sense whatsoever and bounces all across the walls. Uh, I, I, I really, really can't tell it. I, I guess, you know, after learning that McGuin took over halfway, that makes everything understandable, but the episode is still, still, still a mess, and I'm going to have to give it, you know, three achievement blocks out of ten.
0: Excellent. John? Uh,
2: this episode was a mess. The um, scene's dragged out for too long. Things that were interesting, like the, the jammers, or the fact that Six was, or uh, Two was trying to confuse Six into something about ruining his credibility and need a lot more work to them. Uh, I, I'd have to say this is probably the worst episode we've seen so far. I'm, I'm giving this a solid one. One uh, bomb talisman pendant things out of ten
1: that he only ever wears to public speaking events and never again.
0: Yeah. We haven't seen it before. We'll never see it again. Um, It falls to me. Uh, I have to agree with everybody else. As you probably heard through my synopsis, it was a struggle to get through. But yeah, it is probably one of the worst episodes of The Prisoner there is. That's not a spoiler. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. But so I'm going to have to give this probably a solid 3 out of 10 prognosis reports but uh, what we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks time will be change of mind what is change of mind
1: brainwashing at some point, more brainwashing even more brainwashing yeah. uh, at some point somebody changes their mind about something or is implied in some way
0: or form
2: they really went in to get a steak sandwich but they decided to get the chicken fingers instead
0: yeah and we'll be rec- recording that in a couple of weeks' time. But, as always, I wanted to send the band Do Not Forsake Me on my darling, uh, and they're wonderful people over there. Do not uh, find them at do not donotforsake.com. Hello, Michael. Hello, Sophia. Um, but I think that is it. It's an incredibly short episode this time around. That goes against the uh, the very, very long episodes we've pushed we put out recently but what could we say there isn't much to talk about in this episode ben said we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about change of mind so bye bye everyone
1: bye bye <laughs>
2: be seeing you